1: Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may
2: be facing.
1: Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley.
2: Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I'm a physician trained in Britain and living in Canada. Since retiring from medical practice, I've become an activist for family caregiving, which is why the show is called Family Caregivers Unite. Our topic today is multiple sclerosis, veins in the brain, and family caregivers. So first of all, what is multiple sclerosis? What's this about veins in the brain? Well, multiple sclerosis is a long-continued lingering disease that attacks the brain, the spinal cord, and the nerves of the eyes. Its symptoms range from numbness in the limbs to paralysis and loss of vision. Its progress, its severity, and its symptoms vary unpredictably from one person to another. Until now, it's been incurable, but new treatments and new research are giving new hope. One of these new treatments focuses on something called chronic cerebrospinal venous insufficiency. And this is where there's abnormality in the way the blood flows from the brain and the spinal cord. That's what veins do, they take blood away from organs. Now, some experts think that the abnormal blood flow contributes to the damage caused by multiple sclerosis. Some research supports chronic cerebrospinal venous insufficiency treatment, and some doesn't. So to discuss this whole issue of multiple sclerosis, veins in the brain, and family caregivers, I'm welcoming two guests, Ann Stewart and Paul Zook. Ann is a social worker with a Bachelor of Science degree from Montana State University. After practicing in social work With the state of Montana, she moved to Alberta, Canada, and for the past 20 years, she's been Executive Director of Client Services with the Multiple Sclerosis Society of Canada, the Lethbridge and District Chapter. The people for the programs she's developed include support groups for persons with multiple sclerosis, for young adults with multiple sclerosis, and for and in connection with chronic cerebrospinal venous insufficiency. The program she's developed also includes support for caregivers, friendly visiting visiting to persons with multiple sclerosis in long-term care, and active living for persons with disabilities from multiple sclerosis. Now, since joining the Multiple Sclerosis Society, multiple sclerosis has entered her guest. He lives in Lethbridge, Alberta, where he's been a power electrician since 1978. In 1978, he married Kim. In 1989, Kim was diagnosed with secondary progressive multiple sclerosis. Now, Kim's confined to a wheelchair, has no use of a left arm, and only limited use of a right arm. He, Paul, has been her full-time caregiver throughout. Over the 20 years, he says, so very little in the way of treatment was offered her. So when this chronic cerebrospinal venous insufficiency treatment came along, it was really the first thing that seemed to offer some hope. She wanted to try it, he says, and he felt he must try to give her that chance. So, Anne and and Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, now I'm going to start first, my first question is with Anne. Please tell us more about your work with the Multiple Sclerosis Society of Canada, your own professional background, and about your family experience with multiple sclerosis.
3: I think you summed it up pretty well in your introduction, Dr. Atherley. I've committed myself to working with the stakeholders of the MS Society for the past 20 years And as time has gone by, I have tried to meet the needs and requests of our members. One of the observations that I've made over these years is that in working with families, I've observed that the caregivers go through every bit as much um, agony, if you will, or they've been every bit as much affected by the disease as the person who is diagnosed with the disease. It's just Different, and so it's it's been this quest for health. Uh, since working with the MS Society, I've had two family members diagnosed with MS. One was my daughter-in-law's mother, and the other one was my nephew's wife's sister. She was diagnosed at the age of sixteen.
2: So you've lived you've lived the experience. Now, Paul, I'm going to ask you to tell us more about your experience with. With family caregiving for this disease, and I also want to know how did how did you first get involved with the Multiple Sclerosis Society of Canada, and why did you get
4: involved, Paul? Uh, like you mentioned, Kim was diagnosed in '89. Um, yeah, it was a real brick wall for us. We, you know, but with Kim's attitude, she was very positive and has and still is today. So um, I asked her what we're going to do, and she said we're we're gonna get by, so yeah. And uh, we've been doing the walk for the MS Society for about 18 years. Uh, been pretty good. They're pretty successful at raising funds. And yeah, we're not. We don't use a lot of their services. Mostly, we got involved to help try and raise money. You know, to hopefully find something to treat or possibly cure MS.
2: Right. And over to you. This treatment. This new treatment. Call this chronic cerebrospinal venous insufficiency has attracted a lot of attention in North America. Please tell us how the communication works between the National Multiple Sclerosis Society in the U.S. and the Multiple Sclerosis Society of Canada in regard to this new treatment.
3: In reference to this new treatment, um, the MS Society of Canada has been in really close contact and communication with our sister organization. The National MS Society in the US in June of 2010 the MS Society of Canada and the NMSS in the US announced a joint funding of seven research studies on CCSVI totaling 2.4 million and that's the beginning of our partnership in the relationship to CCSVI right CCF, say it again,
2: what's the, what's the acronym again that you use?
3: CCSVI, which is Chronic Cerebral Spinal Venous Insufficiency.
2: Yeah, Neither the full term nor the acronym are very understandable, but uh, the people who have experience with um, this disease uh, will know this particular story, but I want to make sure our other listeners also understand what we're talking about. Paul, I want please you to tell us more about Kim's experience with multiple sclerosis. What's um,
5: that
2: story?
4: Sorry? Her experience with MS? Yeah. Um, hers,
2: uh,
4: there's basically kind of three types. Hers is sort of the relapsing-remitting is the most common type, and and basically that's a, the kind they do more of the research on. Hers is secondary progressive, and, you know, primary cr- progressive is, you know the worst so she's from 89 she just slowly but surely got worse and worse and worse so it's it's been a long hard haul but uh yeah we're we just keep plugging along with everybody's help very good tell
2: me i know we've said she's in a wheelchair and that she's got her arms are affected just how does that combination of things affect
4: her life
2: and your life together with her
4: yeah, that's it's a long story because of course, you know, that's the state she's at now and it we've gone through everything from, you know, braces and canes and walkers and you know, wheelchairs. It's not not like someone that's paralyzed in an accident and all of a sudden you're faced with that situation. So we've kind of it's been a long slow process and yeah, basically with Kim her attitude has been so fearless like she deals with it i don't know that's what makes my caregiving job a lot easier and i know everybody has a different story but yeah she's been awesome to deal with her caregivers love coming to take care of her because she's so optimistic and upbeat and happy all the time so that that's really made a big difference for us
2: you've got two daughters i know
4: that from reading your bio um
2: do they take take a role in caregiving with with, with your wife, Kim, with their mother?
4: Yeah, quite a bit. Um, actually, both my daughters uh, are professional caregivers now. I don't know if, <laughs> if that was a result, but, yeah, the, my youngest has moved, in, is married and moved out, so she isn't as involved as much. But my oldest daughter is back living at home, and, yeah, she takes a very active part in, in helping take care of Mom.
2: That's an interesting point you made. Do you think that experience
4: that you've been through
2: as a family did lead them both to take it Get professional caregiving as a career.
4: Yeah, you know that's a that's a pretty interesting question, and it it, it possibly could could be, you know, they yeah they saw their mom going through a lot, so maybe it you know they thought that would be a good profession to help people. Right.
2: You know, I've heard it said on this show
4: um, that
2: the best kind of caregivers are those who have been through some kind of. Experience experience themselves in the, either as family caregivers or in their families and so maybe there is a thread to that that you've just
4: it's just funny you done. should mention that my dad's mom was in a chair and he was very active in you know having her over and taking care of her and i always remember that you know picking up grandma in their wheelchair and so it kind of just to me it's a part of life everybody has different parts of it and you just deal with whatever it is yeah right on
2: now, it is time for us to pay the rent. That is to say, there's a break coming up, so we're going to take it now. Uh, okay. This is Dr. Gordon Atlee, and my guests are Anne Stewart and Paul Zook. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay with us. We will be back.
5: time here on voiceamerica.com Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Help,
1: you, know I need you are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to G at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at my. M-O-N-A-M-I Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Anne Stewart and Paul Zook. Our topic is multiple sclerosis, veins in the brain, and family caregivers. So let's talk about what happened following the first news of this new treatment, this treatment for chronic cerebrospinal venous insufficiency. Paul, first, when and how did you and Kim first hear of the new treatment, and what steps did you
4: then take? Uh, of course, I think most people thought we saw it on W5. You know, we heard a bit of the buzz about it, and, you know, and then we heard to watch the show on TV, so that was our first real exposure to it, where we, you know, got a few more details about it, and you know, over the years, we've heard so many things from bee stings to vitamins and all these different things to try and, of course, tried them all and had no success. But, you know, just when we saw this, it just sort of made some sense. Just And it was a, it was just something that would be a treatment that could possibly help. Right.
2: And it, would it be right to say that you saw some hope in this?
4: Yeah, I I think after 20 years, that is the very first time that I really thought This sounds like it could be something.
2: Right. And now, please, when the news about the new treatment first appeared, what typically were the questions that you were asked professionally?
3: After the W-5 announcement in November of 2009, we were just barraged by calls for more information. And most of the calls were centered around how the treatment related to MS. Was it a cure? Did it cause MS? Why wasn't the treatment offered in Canada? Why doesn't the society fund the treatment for persons with MS? And it was just the phones were going off the hook.
2: Right. Now, let me just ask you, of those questions that came in, roughly sort of what proportion would be from uh, family caregivers? Um, looking after someone with multiple sclerosis, as distinct from the people who actually have that disease themselves?
3: I would guess that half of them were from caregivers, 50-50 split.
2: Interesting. Now, I want to ask ask you now to say, how did you normally reply to the questions from family caregivers? Now, I do realize that there were lots of questions and lots of family caregivers, but in general, what were you saying to the family caregivers?
3: You're absolutely right. There were a lot of questions, and in all honesty, there weren't a lot of answers initially. So my role was really to listen and allow the callers to vent their anger and frustration, and then I would try to give them factual information as it was up to date at that time. And um, people would ask me if I recommended the treatment, and we can't recommend any treatment of any sort because we don't, have the medical background, so we try to give people information so they can make their own choices and decisions.
2: yeah, fair enough now, Paul, when you and Kim first heard the news, uh, what were the questions you wanted answers to, and which hand the hand first
4: the first question was where can we go to get this done <laughs> <laughs> right we We were excited but but we honestly thought, okay here. Here's this new possible treatment out there. They're going to get right on this, so let's just kind of hold the guns, and I bet you within six months to a year they'll be doing testing and research in Canada here. You know, everybody will be on board, and we'll be getting some answers, and unfortunately that didn't happen. Right. Let me just ask you about the, the
2: answers you got, first of all. Which were the answers that were most helpful in, these, in this kind of where is it question you were asking?
4: Well, I found the most help was on the Internet. The people with MS were the real soldiers in this whole thing, and if you wanted to find anything out, you went on there and you studied it. And, and of course, it was out of the country where a lot of the stuff was happening, and that's where I got most of the answers. Everything else was kind of a stonewall. Like Ann said, nobody kind of, it's like they just didn't want to deal with it or, or have to answer to it or, you know, because... In Canada, nothing's been studied on it yet.
2: Right. Or maybe, to be honest, that they didn't know.
4: Would nope. that be fair? Yeah, I, I don't even think it's... The, yeah, it just... We just found it was... So, and it's still... Because, really, there's no research started yet in Canada. And this is two years almost to the day later. So that's the part I find frustrating. I, I realize that there is a lot of questions. We still have questions, even though we've had it done. But it just seems so slow getting the ball rolling.
2: Right. Anne, now to you. There's some experience. Now, we're talking about today,
4: uh, early 2011.
2: There's some experience to draw on in answering questions about the new treatment. Please, please summarize that experience for us.
3: I think for us, um, we started a, a, a treatment, a CCSVI group, support group, and it's a support group of caregivers and persons with MS and this was to allow people to connect with one another to share their stories to gain information from one another ask questions state their concerns and clarify their beliefs this gave them the opportunity to I think Paul's right most of the information comes from each other and so this opened up an avenue for people And our role at these meetings is to gather this information and advocate the issues and concerns to government and to health authorities.
4: Right.
2: Now, I'm going to just ask you very briefly to say, and this is a tough question, um, is the experience supporting the people who believe in the treatment? Is it neutral? You know, that is, you can't draw any conclusions just yet, or is it against the treatment? I know that's a loaded question, but have a go at it, Anne, please.
3: It's been all over the board. There's been people that uh, report tremendous benefits. There's been people who um, report they're very neutral, no change. And then I've talked to a few that have had horrible
0: experiences.
3: So it's all over the board. There isn't any, any consistent information out there yet, and it's all anecdotal.
2: Right. Um, Paul, please yes. describe Kim's experience with the new treatment.
4: Um, we were pretty open-minded when we went. We, we realized there's no 100% cure for nothing, and we had an MRI done in Vancouver, and they basically said she's got tons of nerve damage like that cannot be fix, right? Like, this isn't going to fix it. We knew that, but like you said, you know, there was reports all over the board, but we'd heard, you know, enough positive results that, for us, it was worth it, right? Just if She could just feel a bit better, or, you know, some some of the things we heard was about, they call it brain, or she calls it brain fog, because her thought process was always foggy, and, and just, you know, a little bit of better feeling in your hands and feet. Like, she always had really swollen, purple feet, so This is the stuff we're hoping for, and fortunately, she seemed to have those improvements as soon as it was done. Like, her thought process has been better. Her hands are working, you know, quite a bit better. The swelling in her feet's all gone. And, like, just some probably doesn't seem like much to some people, but, you know, it's the first real improvement she's really felt like she's had.
2: Paul, has the improvement been
4: maintained? Yeah, it's pretty well hung in there. She still has her ups and downs, I think, just because she's so far along. And like Ann said, we know other people who aren't, as they say, they don't feel as fatigued as they used to, whereas Kim still is kind of tired and, and that all the time. So, But she seems to have hung in there. And, and we actually just went to Calgary, and they looked at her veins. They're trying to see if, because that's part of the issues with this, is that the veins do stay open or not. So... We're working on that, trying to see if they're staying open or if they're going to uh, re steno or close up again. Fair enough.
2: Now, and for you, what are the questions, answers you now give when, you know, you're getting these questions about treatment? Um, what, what are you saying, if anything, that's different in the light of the two years' experience?
3: It's been more like a year and two months because it was November of two thousand nine that this all came out but um, it seems that people with MS, their caregivers and the medical community still have many questions and concerns and not all the answers and that's why the studies are starting and um, and it does take time and it's frustrating because all of these um, question, in order to find the answers, the original results need to be replicated and validated in um, multiple and large well-designed studies. So although the process is slow, it's critical to produce those results to try to get the best answers. So we're still struggling with every day we learn something new.
2: Yeah. How is the situation in the U.S. compared to Canada in regard to the way in which the research is supported? Do they? I know it's a much bigger country, but do they have more research funding than we do in Canada? How active is the research in Canada and things like that? And what do you think?
3: Actually, um, the studies that are going on in Canada and the U.S., were jointly funded by both countries. And so I believe there's four studies going on in Canada and three in the US, and, and they involve various things. The seven studies that were funded uh, were the ones that had the greatest potential to quickly and comprehensively determine the significance of of CCSVI and the MS disease process. And the funded investigators included an integration of both um, vascular experts and MS experts. And then their projects involved um, people with healthy controls. It started out with healthy people and then persons with MS, Uh, adults, children, and teens with MS, people at risk for MS, and then people um, that are um, involved with other disease processes.
2: So it would be right to say, and this isn't a question, this is just me making a statement, but it would be right to say that this new treatment is being taken very seriously and that research is going on in a very thorough kind of way. Now, I know I said that wasn't a question, but, Anne, do you agree with that?
3: I do. I do. I think that's very accurate. Um, I think to the layperson, of which I am one as well, it seems very slow and frustrating, but I also understand the rigorous um, testing that has to happen in order to duplicate or replicate what's happened in the past.
2: Gotcha. Yep. Good. Okay. Now, again, it's time to uh, take the break. Um, this is Dr. Gordon Atlee, and my guests are Anne Stewart and Paul Zook. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please stay tuned. Please come back because we're going into another round of this extremely important discussion on a very troubling, uh, very worrying kind of condition where there
5: is some hope. Ask the experts. Call toll free right now 1 866 472 And ask our All Star team to answer your question. That's 1 866 Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com This is Ed Krell, CEO and President of Destination Maternity Corporation. Since 2001, we've been working together with the March of Dimes for stronger, healthier babies. Did you know that in America, one in eight babies is born too soon? Those who survive their early birth can suffer serious and sometimes lifelong health problems. Help bring healthy babies home. Join Destination Maternity and the March of Dimes in fighting premature births. Go to MarchofDimes.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Help, you, know I
1: need
5: you are listening to
1: Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G. At mymonami dot Now back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite, and our two guests, Anne Stewart and Paul Zoop. Our topic is multiple sclerosis, veins in the brain, and family caregivers. I want to talk in about the progress of research in to the new treatment, that is the treatment for chronic cerebrospinal venous insufficiency. And I want to ask you, first of all, please highlight this research and its results. That's going on now, it's still in progress, which means there's no final answer coming from it. But like everybody else, we're interested in the trends. What's emerged so far? So, Anne, what can you tell us about what's been found so far?
3: Okay. Well, these studies or the grants for the studies were allocated last July 1. So it's been seven months since um, seven groups have been awarded monies to do studies. In that we've received a six-month progress report on these um, reports, and it, it, they've established their rig- rigorous protocols, and they're successfully recruiting their participants to be involved in their studies. They're on track to evaluate and deliver the data within the two-year um, project. And all seven studies have that two-year in length deadline. But they're being closely monitored while in progress. So if, if Some of the data shows that it's warranted clinical trials would be expedited immediately. Um, Many of the studies had to go through an approval process through, uh, it's a review board in the U.S. and in Canada it's a research ethics board. And this was the first step required by regulatory authorities to uh, the, anything that involves human subjects must go through this approval. So that's kind of been a slow thing, but most studies have gone through that and now are ready, they're ready to fly. And so I think it's in the next six months we're going to start seeing some things. I do know that um, I think approximately 200 people have already undergone scanning with the various imaging techniques that are being used in the
2: various studies. Right. Fair enough. You're about a quarter of the way through in these studies. Is that right? Sorry? Would it be right to say that they're about a quarter of the way through.
4: Correct, right.
2: Okay, all right.
4: Can I ask a question, Gordon? Far away. Are any of those studies happening in Canada?
3: Yes, yes. Um, One actually here in Alberta at the Hodgkiss Brain Institute, one at the Hospital for Sick Children in uh, Toronto, um, one in Ottawa, and one at the UBC, well, the one at UBC is in conjunction with the University of Saskatchewan. So four of the seven studies are actually in Canada.
2: There you go. Paul, I'm going to ask you now. Hope is something that we've spoken about before and you've spoken about. I want you to tell us what the hope is that you have for this research into this new treatment that's going on. In, you know, the seven studies in North America in in as a whole and the studies in Canada and the studies separately in the U.S., what do you hope for those studies?
4: We hope it proves out to be a good treatment for MS. I, you know, I don't know that it's going to prove to be a cure or not. That, that will probably take a long time to find out. But I guess for us, when you're the person suffering with something like this, especially, Kim, that's so far along, your real hope is you need it now, <laughs> and that was our situation. And everyone's different, and and we knew there was risks and and big costs to go elsewhere and have it done. And like you said, when you're struggling and suffering, and you see a slim hope, you you got to do everything you can to go for it. And we had all our family and friends backed us in that belief too. So it, you know it was pretty uplifting. Yeah.
2: And a question for
4: you, and that is this, that what Paul's been
2: saying is that, and I'm putting words into your mouth, Paul, and disagree with me if I'm not getting it right, but I think what you've said is that you recognize that when the condition, the multiple sclerosis, is well established, there probably isn't any going back in the sense of repairing the damage, but there may be ways in which the damage isn't is limited, doesn't continue, and by implication, that if the disease is caught earlier with this treatment, then it will be stopped at an early stage, so it doesn't progress so much. Now, first of all, just let me ask Paul quickly: Are you comfortable with that question? Do you feel? Yeah, okay you pretty with... well defined.
4: Hope right there.
2: Okay, um, how how far is the research sort of pointing in that particular direction, namely that? It doesn't cure the disease, but if if it's got the disease is identified soon enough, the treatment is started soon enough, it may just stop it progressing. Any signs of that?
3: I've been with the society for 20 years, and 20 years ago, I didn't see much happening in the world of MS. And now I'm barraged with information on research that's happening in the world of MS. And in the 90s, for the first time in the history of man, we had treatment for the disease, not not the symptoms, but the disease. And since that time, more and more is coming. It's not fast, but it's coming. And there's a lot of Autoimmune diseases out there, and a lot of the research spills over to one another, and I think hope, or reason to hope, is greater than ever now.
4: Great, great.
2: Now, what did I
4: interject there? If yeah. I may. Um, I think I understand what she's saying, but I'm, and I'm going to just relate this to our experience only, because from the '90s or from '89, when Kim the diagnosed, really hasn't been anything, the drugs, any of that stuff that we we asked about, they basically told us, Kim, it wouldn't help. So, like, uh, and I know they've, they've found tons of stuff out since she was diagnosed, but there really uh, hasn't, for us, been anything that would help. Right. I'll so, comment
3: on that as yeah. well. And Paul is right. There's different forms of MS. And researchers have focused on the remitting, relapsing form of the disease initially because that's been the easiest part of the disease to affect. The progressive forms of the disease have been much more difficult and present much greater dilemmas. I am now seeing um, more and more research going into that area, much more. I didn't see it 20, 20 years ago, but I do see it now. And so I can understand um, Paul's frustration there.
4: And absolutely I, I'm right? not sure, Ann, but I think a lot of the treatments involve, you know, a lot of drugs, most of them.
5: And, yes. you know,
4: that's, to me, this is something that, didn't involve any drugs there was you know no drugs you had to take no big expenses for a long time you know with possible health so that was that was one of the shining things about this for us it was an
2: intervention
4: rather Mm -hmm. than a drug yes that's right
2: yep now I'm going to ask you both quickly a different kind of question starting with Am. what are the things that in your work you hear about relative to this disease and this treatment that make the sun shine for you? And?
3: That's a tough question initially, and then I started thinking about it, and I started smiling, and uh, it, it took me back to a trip that we provide our members. We go on an annual camping trip into the mountains for um, five or four days and three nights, and it, it was a trip designed for people with MS and their caregivers and and it's a lot of work because to pack up someone who has a lot of gear, you know, you're you're packing, you're unpacking, you're doing all this stuff. You're it's like staying in a cabin in the mountains. But one evening we were sitting around last fall and we were going around the room and just talking about why we liked camp and one of the things that came out was that the caregivers were just beaming, and they were all saying, you know, although we're still caregiving while we're here, it's a huge respite for us because we're away from our daily routine. We're with people, like-minded people with like-minded problems, and our problems don't seem so large anymore, and we're having fun, and we're having belly laughs, and... And it's so important to get away from that daily routine and be with others and get that support. And that was a real sunshine moment for me.
2: Excellent. Paul, I'm going to ask you the same question, but it's going to have to be in two parts because there will be the break in the middle. But I want to know, what are the things that make the sunshine for you and for Kim and for you both together?
4: What are they? One real quick one, if I could say, that's making us very happy out here right now is that you guys are getting dumped on with snow and we're not. (laughs) 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 That's really happy. No, I think the biggest thing for us, especially with this, you know, you realize you have a lot of support, but uh, our family and friends support system has been unbelievable. And, you know, we haven't had to come to the MS Society for that kind of help, so we're lucky and... Yeah, it's been so uplifting. It just, I think, even more than the, going for the treatment, that's been the, the greatest thing for us.
2: Very nicely said. Now, I'm going to take the break now. And if you want a, another run at this question, Paul, I'm going to give you a chance in a moment. Okay. So, as I keep saying, it's time for us to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Adler. My guests are Anne Stewart and Paul Zook. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please come back. We've more, much more to talk about.
5: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk.
3: in real
5: estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Help,
1: you know I need someone. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. dot Now back to Family Caregivers Unite.
2: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and our two guests, Anne Stuart, and Paul Zuka. Our topic is multiple sclerosis, veins in the brain, and family caregivers. Uh, now, first of all, Paul, have you anything more to add to my question, the answer to my question, about what makes the sunshine for you and Kim?
4: I think just quickly, like I said, we had a lot of support to be able to go for that treatment and... You know, lots of people called, and when they heard the price, that wanted to try it, they don't have that support. So, it was uplifting, and part of our goal when we've been back is to bring attention to this treatment, and and the MS Society is helping bring attention to it, and hopefully, you know, it'll be available in Canada here, hopefully in a not too distant future, and and it'll be putting some smile on more people with MS and caregivers' their faces.
2: And that's the smile of hope, isn't it?
4: It is. Right.
2: Now, this last segment, I want to know what we're going to do about family caregivers, what what we think more can be done. See, family caregiving is more and more important, not just for families, but also for the healthcare systems and societies as a whole in North America, and well beyond that. So talking about the way family caregivers can be helped more is very, very important. So, Anne, let me start with you. Family caregiving can be hard on the health of family caregivers, and you kind of alluded to that when you were talking about the respite that was experienced in the camp. So what advice do you have for family caregivers in caring for themselves?
3: I'm smiling again because many family caregivers are so busy caregiving, they don't think they should be taking time for themselves to care for themselves. And that's so critical. It's balance, balance, balance. And if you don't take care of yourself, then you won't be able to take care of your loved one. And it's so critical for people to take time for themselves to achieve this balance, whether it be an exercise program or volunteering or something recreational or something social. And I I tell people, and, and Paul's done a good job here, but it's Get support and build friendships with similar like-minded individuals and families and laugh and continue to do the things that you love to do. You just do them differently to accommodate the disability and find new things to do. And did I say laugh?
2: Yeah, yeah. Paul, what do you think is most needed by family caregivers caring for someone with multiple sclerosis?
4: Yeah, I think we mentioned the support quite a bit. I think the biggest struggle for myself wasn't Kim and her MS as much as I found it a very financially trying on us, you know, that Kim couldn't work anymore. And having health issues or it can be very expensive. So I'm, I know the MS Society, and they're working on some things to help make life for caregivers a little easier, and, you know, uh, maybe Ann could comment on some of those. That's the kind of stuff I'd like to see.
2: Fair enough. Now, you've said something that I've heard a lot on this show, and I don't think it's well enough understood by, you know, governments, by organizations that are out to help, and certainly not by my own profession, doctors which is just how expensive, how costly it can be in family caregiving, because so much extra that you wouldn't normally have to buy has to be bought, and it's not cheap. Now, Anna, I want you to partly address Paul's Paul's point, but also to say to us what more the Multiple Sclerosis Society of Canada wants to do to help family members in the sorts of situations we're talking about. Em?
3: Paul's right. Income support, I believe, is probably the biggest need for people. And it, it, it's to, um, changes should be addressed to the uh, federal income programs and tax deductions and credits should be established. Workplace supports need to be increased. For example, maybe extended leave beyond uh, employment insurance and um, individuals should be able to facilitate part-time work arrangements if needed. And these partnerships that we need to have with government and employers and private benefit providers are extremely important in order to lobby for positive change. The other thing that Paul didn't mention but I know that every family goes through is we need a GPS for navigating the system. Every province Bravo. is different and you know it's you start your phone call in the morning trying to access help in a particular area you spend the whole day on the phone and you end up with the first person you called in the first place, but you didn't word the words right. And I think that also needs to be addressed.
2: Right. Paul, um, maybe I'm going too far in this question, but if you um, have experience in the labor movement, then you'll know that the labor movement is very effective at advocating for things that are important to working people and to people what do you think needs to be done more to help family caregivers in the situations we're talking about and do you think that they need an organisation that has some of the characteristics of
4: a labour union what do you think yeah i think you hit, that's a good point way to come at it and and hit a really good point like as a caregiver Kim has tons of doctor's appointments, and you know, and I have to arrange time from my job, and my my company's very good for that. But there's just so much to do all the time, and you know, when you're trying to hold down a job, and you're trying to get help, and every time it's always lots of it's based on income, and I think that's wrong too. Healthcare should be based on needs. Um, That was always really frustrating for for us. Um, Yeah, and if. You can get the Labor Congress involved in backing its workers when they need help, when they have problems at home with health. That would be great. Now, let me
2: put you both a little bit on the spot. and We're running a short amount of time. But I'm going to suggest that you both are politicians now. And what you're doing or you're seeking to do is to be elected on a platform called More Help for Family Caregivers in Multiple Sclerosis. And to start with you, Anne, what are the things that you would want to say to your audience so they would elect you uh, to move things along for family caregivers? Anne?
3: I hit a blank. (laughs) 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 Um,
2: Free booze.
3: (laughs) no No, it it's it's that walk a mile in my shoes come spend a day with me and let me show you why I should be elected to be able to provide what needs to be provided for caregivers. The layperson just doesn't understand what a caregiver goes through, nor do they understand the cost of everything. And the reimbursements that are out there don't even begin to touch a candle to what the needs are.
2: Fair enough. Pull. You're on the platform. What's your platform?
4: Well, financial platforms seem to get the most attention, so I think I'd, I'd focus on that too because I think healthcare costs are rampant because things are too expensive, like equipment, you know, wheelchairs and electric scooters, and like the costs of those things are to me are outrageous. You know, we've got scooters that are in the twenty thousand dollar range, and like I don't even have vehicles that are worth that much. <laughs> Yeah, and medications, the cost of medications. Like, it, I think there's some huge profits being made that probably aren't really necessary, but I won't be too popular if I say that, I guess.
2: <laughs> what I'm going to say, first of all, both to both of you, if you were in my riding, I'd vote for you both, because what you're saying goes to the heart of some really vital issues. And what I also want to say to you is this, that... Um, The work you do, both of you, professionally and as family caregivers, does have, and increasingly have, influence on decision-makers. That's saying they are starting to listen. Maybe not enough yet, but they're starting. Now, I also want to say something else, and, and I'm sure you'll bear me out on this, but people like Paul go through this experience, and then what they do is they come to a point where they take a moment to look over the shoulders at other family caregivers who are just starting down this road, and they start to get involved in all kinds of support activities. And Paul, when I hear you talking about um, raising funds for others, raising awareness for others, I hear you, your voice in so many other people I've talk to on this show, and it's an amazing, amazing experience, the way in which this human instinct to reach out becomes heightened by the experience of family caregiving. So all this is a way of saying to you, please keep it up for what you're doing, because it's important to you, it makes the sunshine for you, it brings hope, but it's important to a whole lot of other people who are perhaps not quite in the same situations that you're in, but may run into them as time goes on. So, we're running out of time, and I have to say, first of all, thank you to our listeners. Please email us with your comments and questions. I want to say thank you to our guests, Anne Stuart and Paul Zook, for sharing with us their experience, their stories, their enthusiasms, and their sense of hope, and what this makes sunshine for them so in our next episode we're going to be talking about family caregiving and alzheimer's disease please join us same time same spot on the internet Talk to you
1: thank you again for joining us this week for family caregivers unite with your host dr gordon Atherley. please tune in again next tuesday at 10 a.m pacific time 1 p.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel and until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being around.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com.